This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, serious doctors for serious injuries, and powered by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. A good Saturday evening uh, to all of our listeners and welcome into what will be a very, very special uh, program tonight here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT as we come to you uh, live from the Senesta. It is our opening uh, roundtable conversation. We've uh, all gathered tonight uh, for Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 uh, for our Labor Leader Roundtable uh, conversation tonight, presented by uh, Pond Lahaki and Sam Pond is with me up here. You know what, Jay Doc? I'll let you do the honor uh, of introducing all of the labor leaders are here. We're also joined by Pennsylvania State Representative. We'll introduce Morgan in just a moment, but I'll give you the honor and give you the ability sure. to start. This is a, a, a groundbreaking uh, opportunity for us to engage with our labor leadership um, at what we're calling a, a labor leaders roundtable and it also engages our political leaders and our, and our city officials um, and so and and Sam Pond actually uh, it was his concept and we thought it was one of the great ideas and so uh, really excited about having everybody here I'm happy to have Jim Gartler president CWA 13,000 Fred Wright president AFSCME DC 47 uh, Kevin Boyle business manager Ironworkers Local 401 uh, Rich Labor, <laughs> Richie Laser, Deputy Mayor for Labor City of Philadelphia, uh, and of course Morgan Sebus, uh, PA State Rep, the 192nd Legislative District, and of course uh, co-hosting the show with you and I tonight is Sam Pond, founding uh, founder and managing partner at Pond Hockey. So, want to welcome everybody. I want to thank you for being here. Um, certainly a groundbreaking opportunity, and and uh, we're gonna we're gonna hear it from all all sides. We have public unions, private unions, and we're gonna do this every month. So, I want to thank everybody for being here, and welcome you all to the show. All right, good stuff. Before we get started, Jay Doc, I'll let you start with the topic. But before uh, we do that, I do want to uh, send a big shout out out to the Sinesta Hotel uh, for hosting us here tonight, 1800 Market Street in Center City, Philadelphia, a union hotel, a union support. Quarter uh, of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. So we got a lot going on in, in the city of Philadelphia. Um, it's it's uh, you know we've we, we've we've talked about it many times, but I want to start off a little bit about um, you know some of the things going on just this this week. Um, so there's been uh, you know last week as, as, as we uh, Pat Iding and talked about um, a situation with uh, Senator uh, Tony Williams aligning himself with with State Senator Scott Wagner. Um, in regards to uh, the soda tax, um, and uh, you know, he took he, he took the fight to Harrisburg, and he aligned himself with somebody who was um, couldn't be more against our union community here, uh, and did not you know look at the soda tax uh, you know in a well-rounded fashion. I want to kind of um, Richie, like you know you know lay in a little bit on 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 how important the soda tax is to us, and what the and what the benefits are. Um, you know, to our children. Yeah, definitely. I remember being on the uh, 
first show and you guys had asked me, it was right after we had passed the soda tax, it was a signature piece for the mayor. I mean, it really focuses on three things. It really is all on our youth, but it's about rebuild, about redoing our rec centers and, and libraries and parks, which are a lot of them need overhaul. A lot of them haven't been fixed for, for over 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, Pre-K for our kids, to give them a great start, a foundation to start their learning career, and community schools to infuse all type of social services inside of our schools. I mean, our school, what we want to do is turn these schools in our neighborhoods as community centers and make adults able to go there for, for education, for make you know job training, and also make it a, a, an all-day open community center for all our kids. So it's important for us to focus on that, and it's a big piece of the mayor's term big piece of our administration what's the point of the story j-doc tony williams is against the soda tax and couldn't get any support here in the city so we went and aligned himself with um somebody who's been so anti-union that it's almost unprecedented plus uh Wagner's going to be running uh, as a Republican uh, for governor likely uh, against governor wolf so i mean it's 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 uh you know, it's like almost appalling that he would do something like that. Uh, also, as part of that discussion, we talked about the diversity issue. Kevin Boyle with the Ironworkers. Um, you know, we talked about, um, you know, a big part of the initiative is a, diverse, a mm -hmm. diversity issue. And, and there's no denying, obviously, in the, you know, the building trades. It's a commitment that we're making. It's been an issue. Um, how important is that issue? Uh, and and uh, what is the commitment to, you know, accomplishing our goals? Well, I appreciate you guys having me here because I'm fairly new to all this. <laughs> so uh, what it is is a – am I talking too loud, Jeff? Yeah, I really it? don't need a microphone. Got, he's got, he's got the yeah, compressor. We're, we're good. So, Kev, you keep going. Man. All right. So what it is is a, it was a um, an agreement between the city, the building trades, um, the colleges with Drexel and University of Penn, Madison to help uh, high school kids come in right out of high school to start looking into the trades, which is a good thing. It's a good business thing, but it's good for the neighborhoods to me because they need more help than anything. I should know my wife's a school teacher for 33 years. So. The interesting thing, and, 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 and so uh, uh, what was it? Scott Wagner said there was, and, and, listen, and, and we talked about it. And, uh, Morgan, if you, you want to jump in? Yeah, I mean, um, I. Yes, we recognize the diversity issue in labor, but there's also a diversity in the tech industry. There's also a diversity issue in the automotive industry. And, you know, I'm, I come from a line of politics where it's always easy to point out the problem, but it's always difficult to find a solution. And I feel like, you know, people on the other side of the aisle um, – don't know how to lead when they need to. I mean, Senator Scott Wagner has been there for some time now, and if we are still having the conversation, he's kind of also a part of the problem. And, you know, to the labor unions, to their credit, have been, you know, working hard to address that. And I think we have a lot of great projects, a lot of great programs um, to be able to build that pipeline. I mean, the diversity and workforce development pipeline issue even came up with Amazon, with the tech industry. So it's not just, you know, labor, but it's across the board. And we need to do a better job. And, you know, I do applaud um, Mayor Kenny. I was going to call him Councilman Kenny. <laughs> um, but I do applaud Mayor Kenny for really stepping up to the plate and coming up with a, um, a policy that will impact Philadelphia, yes. But that's, you know, ultimately because Harrisburg is not doing its job, which 
mm-hmm. has uh, Senator you know, Wagner been a part of that, um, not doing his job in providing the adequate funding for education that we need. And it requires for counties to get creative, and that's what our mayor did. Just for the benefit of our listening audience, Morgan is Pennsylvania State Representative of the 192nd Legislative District, uh, State Rep Morgan Cephas. Thank, thank you, you very much thank for you, weighing you, in. You. Fred Wright, let me come to you, President of Ask Me DC 47. Let me come to you and ask you to weigh in uh, on that weigh in on that very conversation. Good evening, everybody. I'm glad to be here with my other participants from this panel. Um, my union, Ask Me DC 47, supported the soda tax, and we supported for several reasons. Number one, we supported because um, our members. Um, work in the libraries, our members work in the rec centers, man the rec centers, and they need a safe and healthy um, facility to work in. Plus, we see it as a quality of life issue. Um, when you look around the neighborhood of Philadelphia, um, just last week they had to close a rec center, very rec center, yep. I believe, mm-hmm. because it, it was um, in, in poor condition. Um, so when you talk about the quality of life in these neighborhoods with kids, um, the only outlet to go to a rec center, go to a library, they need to be a safe, healthy, and adequate facility working. Um, plus, we also thought of a job creation. So when the preschool, um, I believe the city opened up thousands of seats for preschool. So yeah, again, that 2,000. So they, they required um, hiring certified preschool teachers um, to, maintain, to maintain those, those centers. So again, we thought of a win-win for us, a win-win for the community. So how can you know, a politician um, you know, be against um, that, I mean, I don't know, but as Morgan said, even to throw stones at things rather mm-hmm. than come up with, with ideas to fix them. And, and, Fred, you touched a nerve there personally for me. You, you picked out a rec center that actually was in my yeah. neighborhood where I grew up, where it was like a pillar to the community, where it brought right. people together to, you know, help build families and do things together. And with that not being there anymore, I just can't imagine the impact that's going to have to people that are living and growing up in that neighborhood now. Sam, opinion? Well, I... <sighs> You know the the my my comment on on first of all I'm honored to be here with with public servants and public officials that are dedicating uh, their time to uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and also the city of Philadelphia and the city of Philadelphia I think is on a cusp of, of really doing great things and we all have to get behind this and work in it and labor clearly is part of this growth and part of that the fabric um, or the mosaic of going forward uh, it's a very important part. Um, and also honored to be here and privileged to be with union labor leaders that, uh, quite frankly, are making great sacrifices in order to, to continue this fight. I'd really feel like to follow up with the diversity issue because re- really we have to we – have, we have a city that's very diverse. Um, and I'm on a number of boards uh, where we have, to, we have to engage the diversity and really make it a top priority. I'm not talking about window dressing here. Not, that's not the point. We're not, we're not having a person of color or, or gender. a gender sitting at or, or, or sexual orientation sitting at the table just because of that. We, we have some really, really great people with substance that are, have to start participating and given the opportunity to participate. Our firm was, was listed with Klein Inspector as the number one div- firm as far as diversity in, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. All right? And I have two women that are now going to go on the board with me. Um, one's an African-American woman, and I'm going to tell you what, she's competitive, she's a leader, she's a great manager, she's a great, great attorney, great professional. She's got to come in and get a seat at the table and to be heard. Her voice has got to be heard. And it, we've got to do more on this. We are, we, this city has to have full participation from everybody. Um, and, and quite frankly, that's one of my real concerns, and we've got to get the message out, and we really have to do more about it. 
Interesting, uh, because what you were talking about, Wagner, uh, Wagner's comment was the building trades had zero African Americans. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ryan Boyer, that was news to him. Yeah, big news. But you know, listen. At the same time, uh, there's no denying that you know there, that that there are issues and there's commitments. Listen, what what Senator Scott Wagner does, he's just like Trump. Mm-hmm. He attacks any bad information coming out, and he'll run it to the hill. Because that's what people want to hear. And listen, when I look at Senator Scott Wagner, yeah, he, I don't know him personally, but I think he's anti-Philly. Anything in anti-Philly, he's against. You know why? Because our people go out and vote, and our people pick who we want to be here, and who's 99% of us live in this city mm-hmm. at one time or another, or work, pay taxes, and do whatever we have to do. But that guy, he just doesn't care. He's, he's a multi-millionaire, and, he, and by the way, he's probably been to Philly a handful of times in his life, so I can see why he cares so much But about what the people in North Philadelphia you think. So hey. why would you align yourself with him? Exactly. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. We'll take our first commercial break on the big show. We thank all of our uh, listeners for tuning in on a Saturday night. It's Saturday Night Live on Philly Labor right here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Back in a moment. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT as we broadcast to you live from the Senesta Hotel. It's a special Labor Leader Roundtable conversation tonight uh, from the Senesta. So we have an election coming up, and and there's a a lot of exciting races. Uh, uh, Before we get into the races, I'd like to talk uh, to the Labor Leaders uh, about the importance of of, uh, getting involved in, in the political process. Uh, and and uh, getting our members engaged in the political process, especially when we're not talking about a major election. There's no president, there's no governor, there's no mayor. Kevin Boyle. Well, our biggest problem is we're taking, well, when we take the, our members in and our older members, we're really not looking at the social part of it. We're looking at who's going to drive our agenda, mm-hmm. right? So as, as labor leaders, and, you know, we can talk about civic like we're, we're going to do for the neighborhoods and stuff like that, but most of the time we get to push our point is at the meetings and over the Internet and stuff like that. But most of our guys are looking at it like, oh, how much are we giving this guy today? Oh. You know and, what and, I mean? and I was going to ask you that question, and, and it's specifically you, because, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this many times, but let me just say this. You know, engaging union members. Okay, I'm an iron worker. So, uh, you know, so listen, I was a rank and file guy. And, you know, um, and part of the conversation, one of the things I said was getting your members engaged. Uh, Morgan, you and I talked on the phone about that different, you know, and there's a ton of topics like right to work and all those things. And Sam talks about them a lot. But the problem is, you know, and I say this, I was, and I was absolutely, you know, a lot of the young people coming in, um, you know, I mean, they're focused. I mean, they get families and you're busy and you're trying to, you know, pay your mortgage and get a house and all those things. And you don't realize that if you don't vote, you're, you're Johnny Doc said it better than anybody I, I, I know. And he said, we're getting legislated out of our ability to work or uh, out of our work. Guess what? That's because our members are, you know, our, our young members aren't relating the fact that this vote right here is a vote for somebody who's either going to support you or go against you. Then you're going to be sitting in the day room someday without a job blaming the business manager up there when you didn't vote. Well, as soon as we take an apprentice class in, the first thing they do is sign up to vote. That is the first thing before they, before they even get paid their uh, apprentice month, they have to fill out the vote registration. Absolutely. And, and we push that 
My my biggest agenda is I have so much coming at you. Uh, who's who? What's that? Mm-hmm. Like everybody meets up at stocks for some reason, yeah. <laughs> right? So, and then if I don't I know them, and if I don't, if I don't engage it with them, it has. I have a hard time giving somebody a member's money if I don't know who they are. Just because you're a D doesn't mean you get the money. Yeah. Oh, well, you know what I mean, and that's I mean, my biggest. And that's why I think it's important again for elected officials um, when it's an off election season to come out to your members and talk through what is happening in on the legislative landscape. And, you know, when we were looking at issues like right to work, like paycheck protection, I was like literally watching a show the other day and it talked about how 10 years ago there was, you know, some type of firm in the middle of the country that wanted to change a lot of our states into the different direction, change it from D's to R's. And, you know, they had a somewhat of an anti, you know, labor movement going on and they sure. were successfully yeah. able to do that, which is one of the reasons why the election yeah. is important, because the Commonwealth Courts determines redistricting. Yeah, and sure. I, th- I think you're right. I think sure. Sam, had, Sam had said this earlier when we, before the show started. We have to do a better job promoting mm-hmm. our causes. Like the rep said, pay tech, paycheck protection. You would think, oh, oh. no, we got to protect our – that's taking the workers' rights away. Mm-hmm. And Sam had said it. we got to do a better job at promoting what, our, what members mm-hmm. want and what they need and what's going to protect them in the future for their retirement. Because what Sam is saying is we're speaking their language. Exactly. What they did was they got deceptive. We mm-hmm. call it, by the way, paycheck Deception. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, but so when you're sitting there, and Sam said it many times, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, who's not going to re- vote for right to work? It sounds like a great thing. <laughs> well, the biggest thing is, is and well, when, when we, we know it's not, when yeah. we won the White House in 2008 with the Barack, that Carl Rove went to the townships mm-hmm. and started attacking that way. That's why you have in the the House up there. Mm-hmm. That's why you have a hundred and some members. They have the majority because that's how they did it. And well, they well, did well, it well, in preparation well, for 2010 for Absolutely. Well, to Kevin, I mean, that's where you get into, well, I'm only voting presidential elections. So my members are only voting presidential elections. Well, again, it's more important than presidential elections. The state races right. are very because They don't want to set the laws in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, right here in Philadelphia, they, tr- they passed the um, sick leave bill. Mm-hmm. That were preempted in Harrisburg. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, again, mm-hmm. you're talking about 10 days for a person um, allow personal offer sick. Now, again, in the restaurant industry, that very important. You don't want someone serving food to you, have a cold, exactly. have the flu. But again, in Harrisburg, they overturned that law. Um, and once again, so if you had a majority in Harrisburg, that law wouldn't have been overturned. But again, that's people's engagement on the, on a local level. And it's people's engagement in, in generally. And we talk about, we talk about what, well, I'm going to follow up with what Kevin's talking about. Last word, 60 and seconds. W- people have to start understanding what gerrymandering and redistricting is, okay? Mm-hmm. We have a million more Democrats. And, and by the way, we're, you know, we're listening to both sides, and especially with labor. If you're, if you're, if you're going to listen to collective bargaining issues and, 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 and protect our ability to collectively bargain, it doesn't matter what party you are. But the gerrymandering issue is a big issue. And, and, and North Carolina has now had the Supreme Court designated 9 to 0, an anonymous decision, all right, that what their gerrymandering was was racially targeted. Wisconsin has a supermajority, a supermajority. In the last election for the Republicans, the last election they had a million more Democrats vote. What kind of democracy is that? It's not. The Democrats have lost 962 legislative seats since the last census because of gerrymandering. It's basically having the elected officials telling the population how to vote. That's how it's supposed to be. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's our Labor Leader Roundtable Conversation. Uh, Tonight live 
uh, from the Sinesta Hotel. We'll take a commercial break. Uh, we'll continue uh, and introduce you to our entire panel again when we come back. Back in a moment. Back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHC. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to our special Labor Leader Roundtable Conversation. Tonight, as we come to you from uh, the Sinesta Hotel, Sam Pond, the founder and managing uh, partner of Pond La Hockey, joining me along with Jay Doc, uh, also a part of the roundtable tonight, Jim Gardler, uh, president of CWA 13,000, uh, right? 13,000. Right. Jim, thanks for being here. Nice to have uh, you in the room. Fred Wright, president of Ask Me DC 47. Fred, well done. I hope you enjoyed your meal at the Sinesta tonight. Thank you very much. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, so. Kevin Boyle uh, here early today, and we thank you, Kevin, for coming out from Iron Workers Local 401. Thank you very much, Kevin, uh, for getting here. Rich Laser, the Deputy Mayor for Labor uh, for the City of Philadelphia, is with us as well. Rich, appreciate uh, Nice having you back on the program. And uh, Pennsylvania State Rep Morgan Cephas is joining us uh, in the room uh, as well. And Morgan, it's nice to have you, uh, you. as part of the program as well. So we're talking about the um, the, the legislative um, situation, or certain legislation, we're talking about anti anti worker legislation, and we just got a, a Senate bill uh, that actually I believe passed uh, Senate Bill nine thirty six, um, and so Sam's going to tell us what that you know what that means, uh, but Sam's just going through what, what I think us and labor go through all the time, and that is uh, you know. A, the way they hit you low and then hit you high, then hit you low. And so uh, Sam is the, the foremost um, defender of, of uh, injured workers' rights in, in, in Pennsylvania. So I, I guess the strategy is to knock them down and then just throw the legislation back on the table, which is what they did. So, Sam, do you want to give everybody uh, kind of an understanding of 936? Yeah, 936 uh, came out of the blue very quickly this week um, and uh, within a couple of days it was very unusual because there's not really any kind of public discourse about the contents of it. Um, it passed the Senate last night um, and it's going to go over the House. 936 is something that we've talked about on this show time and time again. It's, it's simply the Senate's version of House Bill 18 which we beat in June um, and uh, also a version of House Bill 1800 which we beat in June of 2016 which was um, uh, the uh, evidence-based medicine. So uh, a little history there, Joe, and that's kind of where we're, we're at with, with Senate Bill 936. 936 will take away, if you're injured on the job, no matter who you are, whether you're a union member or you're not a union member, if you're a president of a company and you're an employee, or if you're, you know, cranking it out as a, as a maintenance worker, if you get injured on the job, you're not going to get any medical care. And we're talking about the PR aspect, whether it's right to work or whatever the other terms that they're using, entitlements, whatever it may be. And this is now being, it was an opioid bill back in the spring of this year. Now it's a drug formulary bill. And this is really a gutting all medical care when you're injured on the job. Woke up one day, went to work, got crushed by a crane. Um, my life is over. I'm 40 years of age. I have three kids, a couple kids in parochial school, a kid in college. I was making 2500 Now I'm stuck at $900 a week. I lost my annuity. I lost all my medical. I lost my life. I might lose my wife. And I may end up doing something really tragic, as we see time and time again. Injured workers... In the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania since 1915 gave up the sacred right to pursue damages in exchange for the scheme of workers' comp, in exchange for a weekly check that has no cost of living adjustment, and for medical. 
They gave up that sacred right. And now it's being taken away. Why? It's not about a drug formulary. You want to talk about a drug formulary? We try to sit down and talk about a drug formulary. You want to talk about someone owning a pharmacy? Fine. It's about the process of taking all their medical care away. That's the bottom line. And if I don't have medical care for my, my clients, they can't get better and get back to work. And guess what? They also know the insurance industry. I don't have a medical expert. So if I have a denied case, I don't have an expert. I don't have a case. Because you're only getting denied based on a medical opinion of, of a panel doctor. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's the ultimate challenge is <clears throat> when you come up to Harrisburg, you see who's on the side of big business versus who's on the side of the working families. And, you know, it's not an entitlement. Um, it's not an entitlement or anything. It's, you know, something that you've earned over the years through your paycheck. And you have that right to, you know, feel protected by the your employer that you're employed by. And I think that's where, you know, they get tricked challenging with the um, with the narrative and you know we've had a couple of hearings the labor and industry committee on the house side and you know when we ask these type of tough questions to the insurance companies that are before us you know sometimes we you know get a little contentious with our counterparts and get a little shut down a little bit but you know it's really important that we hammer home the importance of making sure that we get this right and not to put business before working families you know, you know it's like every other issue every other issue whether it's labor or civil justice, why are we always on the defense? Yeah. Why are we always trying to make, explain ourselves and defend ourselves? When we have, we have the message. We're representing worker folks that are just the middle class. Why are we always defending the rights of the middle class that are the backbone, fighting our wars, building our buildings? Why are we always trying to defend them against the people who are just worried about profits? Well, because, Sam, you know, I really think that, that we're in a capitalistic society and people value um, money and profit over lives. And whether you look at the education system, whether you look at the um, medical system, um, whether you look at e even basic social services, you know, we, we always chase the profit rather than invested in people. Um, and you, you see that time and time and time again. You know, that bill, what that bill is designed to do, Sam, is deny people medical coverage who injured on job. Period. Period. They're trying to deny people medical coverage. So, again, when you get hurt, you're either, either forced to give up your job or forced to go back to work time and time again. And we see that all the time in, in our industry, that people are forced to go to work when they're injured because they want you on the job. And they're also, you know, making an attempt to capitalize, if you can ever even think that you can, off of the opioid crisis. When they try to point to, you know, a chronic issue that even, you know, number 45, I'll call them, uh, has pointed is like a health epidemic across the country to hide behind that issue, to take advantage of, you know, a real epidemic that we have to address strategically through something you like to call a formula win you essentially also created the problem that this is not the correct way. And it, again, is attack on workers. You know, Representative, it's such a good point because they created the problem. And, and, to, and it's unconscionable. It's unconscionable, almost immoral, mm -hmm. to try to take someone's benefits and rights away to, pers to have medical treatment under the guise of the opioid epidemic mm -hmm. that is killing and destroying families. It's unconscionable. Who does that? I had a colleague the other day tell me because, um, you know, I'm not personally too familiar with the issue, but, you know, just trying to get a better understanding. Um, a colleague of mine had told me from western Pennsylvania, I'm like, how many people in your county have, you know, been impacted by opioids? He literally told me in one day 48 people overdosed. 
And it's just a magnitude of the issue. But here we go again. Mm -hmm. Let's get the education out because even before this, the ProPublica reports, the New York Times reports have on, on before the, the recent 60 Minutes report clearly exposed what was going on. Mm -hmm. The insurance industry was incentivizing doctors mm -hmm. to write cheap, generic, cheap open opioids because that was the cheapest reimbursement mm -hmm. they had. Cheap drugs. This was all about profit. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to go off the rails here. I really don't. I really don't want to go off the rails. But if you're going to a house of worship on Sunday or Saturday and you're actually doing this, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a problem. you've got to sooner or later understand who your maker is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because we have to stop the hypocrisy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, the, I don't see it on that end of it as a labor leader. I see it more as an as organizing the non-union guys to the union side because of our benefits and what we get. But I see it all the time. The guys will come in and go, oh, I got hurt on that job. The guy said, well, either you be here or you'll be fired tomorrow. And, oh. and, and that's our biggest, you know, what we do as labor leaders is we give ourselves the package the, the medical package to keep going so if you do get hurt on the job or off the job it's just not when you get hurt it's just more of a and listen i i understand it who's been more beat up than me in the steel business is you know i i was out for four months if i didn't have benefits my house would have been gone everything would have been gone and so you know, and, and i understand it kevin the other thing is that we don't the people again it's about education but firing someone or reporting an injury, and then, or, or, or any any of those things. Firing someone for reporting a work injury or making a claim, or not coming back for a work injury, is a civil action. It opens the action. It opens them up to civil matter. People don't know about this, but it, they put in. They make people afraid. And why wouldn't you be? Because you're you're injured. First of all, you're injured. You don't. You have so much uncertainty. You're anxious. You could be depressed. You don't know where to go. And they're making you so afraid that it's even making it worse. And they're preying on an injured person. Well, and, and listen, it's, it's driven by the insurance companies because mm -hmm. the more, the less people get hurt out there working for you, they get a better, better price. Kevin, why, why aren't we addressing the maximum compensation rate, which is unconstitutional? Why aren't we addressing the fact that there's no cost of living adjustment? Why aren't we, representative, take this back. Why aren't we looking? Why aren't we looking at Act 57, where unemployment? Think about this: a contractor that employs your folks, employs your members. That contractor pays a premium for workers' compensation insurance. If in fact the insurance company denies that case, and they've done this, they're denying the case because they know your guy who has a good work history is going to apply for unemployment. That was paid by the employer and the citizen. Guess what? After a year after I win that case, the insurance company gets an offset for the unemployment that your member received. Think about that. Basically, their responsibility, their responsibility, how's that word? Do they use that word a lot? Is subsidized by the citizens funding the unemployment. They don't pay the unemployment fund back. They don't pay the contractor back. They get an offset and they walk. But they're charging that contractor a certain premium for responsibility. Guess what? They didn't pay. The unemployment, the unemployment paid. That fund paid their responsibility. Why isn't that changed? Why isn't that being heard? That's an injustice. That's an, unju un that's an unjust enrichment. That's a tort. Why aren't, we ha why aren't these messages being heard? You know why? Because we don't have their money. We don't have their power. But we've got to start fighting back. 
This radio show is a platform, and I thank each and every one of you for being here. This radio show is the beginning of a platform to start getting the message out. We don't want anything unfair. We don't want anything unfair. We're very mindful of industry and creating jobs. All right? And I can get into all that, and I can tell you, you know, about the unfairness. We fought back on unfairness. We stopped the minimum compensation rate because it was unfair to industry. We were active in 1993 for Act 44 because there were some rogue doctors taking advantage of the system. They had to, there had to be some sort of checks and balances. We're talking about injured workers and lives. I have, my clients are committing suicide. Committing suicide. Let's hear their stories. Let's hear Keith Heckler's widow talk about him committing suicide, blowing his brains out in his backyard on Easter Sunday. We're going to, in our next segment, we're going to talk more about uh, corporate greed. With uh, uh, Jim Gartler's going through and, and with his members and, and, and a, a Goliath that you're negotiating with on a periodic basis. Uh, the, 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 we're talking about, you know, uh, profits that are unimaginable. And yet you have to, and, and, and yet you're negotiating with, uh, you know, and, and into a company that is so big that it's almost unimaginable, and they don't, and, and they want to downsize and send jobs overseas. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's our Labor Leader Roundtable conversation tonight. We come to you from the Senesta Hotel, 1800 Market Street. Uh, great conversation. Settle in as we take our final break uh, here on Talk Radio 1210. WPHD back in a moment. Back here live on Saturday Night Live here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thanks very much for tuning in to our Labor Leader Roundtable conversation tonight uh, as we come to you from the Sinesta uh, Hotel here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. So we were talking uh, with Sam Pine. We we're talking about um, in the last segment, you know, what goes on and it gets to the point, you know, with injured workers' issues with corporate greed and, and, and the big insurance companies and uh, Talk. We're going to talk to Jim Garr, who's the president of CWA 13,000, about a Goliath that he has to deal with on a regular basis. Um, and we've we've had done a couple of announcements, uh, you know, for you, and the, the numbers are astronomical. Tell us a little bit about your fight with AT&T. Right. So so we've been bargaining with AT&T now since uh, the beginning of the year, January, February time frame, and you know it's nothing new to us. They're following the same script as some of the bigger corporations that are out there, which is you know they want our people to do more for less. They want to be able to offshore jobs, and they want people to continue to piggyback off what we just talked about, pay increased costs for their health care, and, and just gut what they currently have in place to help them when they do get hurt off the job, you know, on their own time. And, and you know, there's a company that's out there that tries to promote themselves as this company that looks out for people in this country and hiring veterans and doing a lot. Well, these are people that put their lives on the line for us every day, and I'm wondering where these veterans, what uh, military they're from because apparently they're not from this country and they must be hiring them in the other countries sure. where they're putting these people to work offshore because our people are looking for these jobs and they continue to look to send more and more of these call center jobs to other countries in India and Mexico and, and these people listen they put in a tough day um, and they're, a lot of them are commission based you know they, they work off of sales and they go out there and this company doesn't want to pay them yet they're still raking in billion dollars a month in profit and I was going to say that um, you're talking about health care you're talking about um, jobs sending jobs uh, overseas uh, talk about the kind of profits we're talking about here from a company we're not talking about a company that's scraping by uh, you know just they're making b billions per month 
the CEO, I forget what he was making, $26 million a year or something, something crazy. Randall Stevenson, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, he's cleaning up. I mean, he's not struggling. He doesn't have to worry hey, about health care. By the way, doesn't have to worry I, about I could care less if he's making 50 gazillion a year. Don't take, don't make it on the backs of the workers. Don't ask them to take a pay, a, a cut in pay, take, get rid of your benefits. And we've been, I mean, we've, we've, you know, we've made these announcements. We've had you and Ed Mooney on the show several times. Uh, you, when this, when this stuff comes around, I mean, you're not asking for, you know, you're not asking for anything that that, that these men and women don't deserve. Our members that work in this industry are looking for a good, middle class living where they can raise a family, buy a house basically have the American dream. And, you know, corporations like this would rather take that and make their profits off the backs of some low-wage, low-skilled individual from another country. I mean, it's just actually, it's absolutely incredible. By the way, who built who built the company? In other words, the members had the members and the workers had a little bit to do with the success of AT&T, am I they correct? They built it, they continue to upgrade it, and it continues to evolve on the backs of the men and women that come to work every day that are members of the CWA, the IBEW, um, you know, the, the laborers that are out there to help build the infrastructure and the network. I mean, there's countless number of unions that are impacted by what they try to do by sending this work to you know different countries, different individuals, and, and, and we try to fight it, and we try to make sure that the, that work stays here for our members. And yeah. we get a lot of assistance, not only from the local politicians, but from the state and the federal politicians. And, and you know the, the representatives have all been sending letters in supporting us on behalf of this fight with AT&T, notifying the CEO of AT&T and putting him on notice that enough's enough. Let's get this contract done. Laser, how tough's the fight? It is a tough fight, and I think... It, on the whole conversation tonight, what Jim said, what Sam said, with Fred, and I think it's like we're going backwards. I mean, mm. we fought for everything. Working people over the over the history of this country have fought for everything we have for, for retirement, for health care, for good wages, and for, for it's insane that now we have folks that want to take it away and give our folks less. People who are out there every day trying to raise a family, send their kids to school, bring food on the table, make sure everybody's healthy, and we're taking these things away that people fought for every day for and it's a disgrace it's a shame it's like um you know rebounding from the recession so you have wall street and big business that have rebounded but they're not interested in seeing the yep. workers rebound and i think that's the challenge so not only are we writing letters but it is a big fight but we are also on picket lines mm -hmm. to where we have to hold these companies accountable and also look into our coffers do you, do they have any contracts with the city of philadelphia any yep. contracts with the state of pennsylvania and really hold mm -hmm. their feet to the fire i mean you know richie we were down at you know the airport fighting that exactly. fight holding their feet to the fire to make sure they're doing right by their workers any yeah, other point i mean the good point to that is the uh, loft hotel over on mm -hmm. uh, on broad street ton of tax breaks supposed to create some over a hundred and something jobs didn't create that many jobs we got the community out there with unite here out there protesting um because they're not they're getting all these tax breaks and they're not following through the city we we looked into it we're not going to invest our pension money into the company that owns that hotel anymore because if they're not going to follow up and they're getting all these tax breaks and they're not going to follow up to the agreement sure. they made with the state and the city, then why should we put pension dollars into something like that? And that's why elections matter, because when you have a mayor in the office that is a friend of labor, understands labor, has a family that has gone through labor, these are the type of actions that are taken. Fred Wright, president of ASME DC 47. Your thought? Well, you know, once again, it's, it's profit over people. And, and mm -hmm. we have to get out the mentality of... Um, taken away from the middle class, the working class, and, and you know, idolized the, the profiteer of the country. I mean, that's why Donald Trump was in the White House, because you had a president who ran, that he was smarter than everybody, he was a deal maker, 
And, you know, what this guy was known for, when he built a land in the city, the building trade, he was paying people 80 cents on a dollar. He rooked everybody down mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. You know, and he didn't pay his tax. He bragged about he didn't pay his taxes. And, didn't and, even and, pay the contract. And, I didn't and, pay the contract. And, <laughs> and people, you know, oh, well, he's smart. He was a deal maker. No, he wasn't a deal maker. I mean, to me, he was almost a crook. He was dishonest. He the but, but, you know, we, you know, we idolized that. A real CEO, a real leader, is a servant. Mm. They're a servant. That's if everybody here is a leader, and we're servants. The bottom line is, if you're really a good leader, you're serving your flock. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. that's the bottom line. Everything else will take care of itself. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, our first Labor Leader Roundtable conversation tonight at the Senesta uh, Hotel. What a great uh, night it was. Uh, with some great opinions and some great thoughts and some great conversation uh, from everyone. I want to go around the horn. Uh, I said uh, in the commercial break that everybody was going to get about 35 seconds. Everybody's going to get about 10 uh, because we're up against the clock, 10 to 15 seconds. Uh, But let's start there, Jim. Let me come uh, start with you. We'll go around the horn, give everybody a closing thought before we say goodnight. Real quickly, thank you for having me on the show. And I'd just like to extend the condolences of Local 13,000 and personally myself out to Pat Biancoli and his family. But most importantly, in the next couple of weeks, you're going to be asked to get out there, go to the polls, and vote. Vote to make some changes. Make, vote to make sure that we people don't understand our issues. Kevin? Uh, once again, I want to thank you for letting me come here. Uh, I know I just got in from Vegas, but thank you anyway. <laughs> and I just want to give a shout-out to our members who donated. or are going to donate $5,000 to um, – the hurricane relief fund through the inter- our international, which will go strictly to the people from Houston, Miami, and Puerto, Sam- Rico. Puerto Rico. Fred? Um, again, thank you for having me. I enjoyed being here. I'm having a discussion with my fellow labor leaders and elected officials. Um, I'd just like to you know, shout out to the members of AFI District Count 47, all the members of AFI District 47, and, you know, hopefully, um, you know, Wishing that we get a contract from the mayor pretty soon. That's, that's why we really arranged it. Let's go to Well, what do you say, Richie? <laughs> city of Philadelphia, Rich Laser. Rich, nah, thank you. Thoughts. Thank you again for having me on the show. I always look forward to coming back. I continue to be on the show, and I think it's a great, a great show. I just want to give a big shout out to the city of Philadelphia and PIDC, specifically the Commerce Department, Harold Epps and John Grady for putting a great proposal together for for Amazon to send out there. As everybody knows, fifty thousand jobs with a hundred thousand dollar average salary and. Uh, $5 billion in, in capital improvements and in construction. I think it's a big thing for the city. If we can pull that in, it would be amazing. And uh, I just want a big, big shout-out again to the city and to PIDC on that. State Rep. Morgan Cephas. Don't forget the hashtag, Philly Delivers. <laughs> hashtag Philly Delivers. <laughs> I just want to thank you guys for having me on. i am uh, been in 10 months, uh, 192nd, represent neighborhoods over in West Philadelphia. Oh, you're not a rookie in politics. Uh, no, I'm not. i got, got some years behind me. But um, I just want to thank you for having me on. Thank you for allowing me to be a voice and hear the voices of labor. And I feel like that is extremely critical right now because we are in some trying times, but we also have some opportunities to grow as a city. We have a lot of great things coming to Philadelphia as well as the Commonwealth. We just need to make sure we're building those pipelines and making sure that we do right by labor and get it right. Last word tonight, Sam Pond. Well, uh, thank you, everyone. I think this was a wonderful show. It's the first of many to come, and uh, we're going to educate. Uh, we're going we're gonna to advocate. Uh, and we're going to make sure that uh, we deliver on the promise of labor. And also I want to thank each and every one of you for your service, not only as being labor leaders but also public servants. And uh, looking forward to more shows. Thank you and good night. All right, good stuff from uh, all.
uh, participating tonight at the Labor Leader Roundtable Conversation um, here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Stay tuned for the Dan Loney Show. He's up at uh, the top of the hour uh, on behalf of J-Doc, on behalf of Sam Pond, on behalf of everyone uh, in the building tonight for our, our roundtable. I'm Joe Krause. I'll see you next time. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.